This week on the Magnificently Huge Podcast, Problematic Movies. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Got 99 problems and a bitch ain't one, hit it. There are some films that are underrated, there's some films that are overrated, and there are some films that we really love, but we have to acknowledge some problems with them. That's this week's show. We're each going to break off and tell you about one film that we really love and what's wrong with it. Because uh, we're always trying to be positive, I guess. And you're probably out of shows to watch on Netflix anyway, so you should check these out, but with a critical eye. All right, let's do that show. Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. I am Eric. Hi, Eric. I am Brian. Uh, hello, this is Chris. And now we're going to talk about stuff. Boy, I came in with like so much professionalism and like sounded so good. And then I was like, ah, oh yeah, that's right. I, I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah. So what, what well, have you guys been up to this week? Anything interesting? Uh, no. Yeah, not really. Just uh, working more, a lot. More continued anger at my uh, local and state government. Uh, okay. Really. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I tried listening to My Favorite Murder and the two ladies on that went on and on about something that one of them heard in therapy. And I was like, this, this sucks. Cut to the murders. And so I'm just, <laughs> the chit chat was killing me. So let's do some fresh shit. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Anybody have any, any, anything burning a hole in their pocket? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Is there anything Bur- new out there? That's the first question. <laughs> Still, a year no. into this thing. Pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, let's put it like this. I didn't watch Tom and Jerry last week, and I didn't watch Tom and Jerry this week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would you? Let's, t- let's, I, let's just briefly I, just explore that for a moment. Why uh, no, would you watch uh, Tom and Jerry this week? Let's talk about what I did watch. I can <laughs> okay. do that. Okay. Yeah. It is weird. It's like there's, I'm not sure who the audience is. Who's still alive that remembers Tom and Jerry? And who well, has been really waiting for, for you know... Well, that seems to be the thing more. recently. They've been doing, like, they've done the Tom and Jerry now. They did Woody Woodpecker. They've done Yogi Bear. So it's like all these cartoons from the 40s and 50s into the 60s so, that don't need updated CGI graphics. And yet... So, so what I hear you saying, Chris, is that people bought the rights to intellectual property and would like to see a return on their investment. Yeah, but... That's it, why there's a Tom and Jerry movie. Yeah, but they did... It's like... It's more like the Garfield movie. That's what it looks like to me. Right. Seems to me if you have a property like that and you know nobody's interested in it, you need to start from scratch. You need to create a reason why people should be interested in it, you know? Yeah. Tim and Julie. I don't think that they think they need to. It's a kid's movie. Parents want to put their kids in front of a movie. That that usually turns a profit. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying as a writer, maybe you, maybe you want to take a fresh direction. You oh, know? please. Please. No? Yes, okay. let's get Neil Patrick Harris to, to interact <laughs> with the Smurfs. Yeah, um, really. Which is uh, what they did. Anyway, I actually watched a movie. Uh, it was another one of these movies that I you'd think I'd have seen it, yeah. and I didn't. What year? And so now I've watched it. I went and sat down and watched Get Shorty. Ooh, nice. I watched I that a couple weeks ago. Before. I watched it a couple weeks up? ago again. It does. You know, it does. Um, it's funny. I was, you know, I was flipping through like all the movie options we could come up with, and we're writing down things that seemed appealing as we're watching trailers, and I realized that like three quarters of the movies that I had written down were all like movies about people in Hollywood, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like there was like, you know, Mulholland Drive and and The Player and Get Shorty, and I hadn't seen Get Shorty, so I'm like, let's do that. It's fun. So yeah, it's J- fun. John Travolta as a uh, lone shark who just who bugs out to Hollywood and eventually becomes a movie producer, producing a movie about his own situation, and you know, with the joke obviously being that Hollywood is as organized and as ruthless, if not more so, than the mafia. Yeah. So there you go. That was part of the uh, that 
mid-90s Travolta sons after Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before he started making very questionable decisions again and tanked his career. But that was part of that, that apex. Uh, but Barry Sonnenfeld, the man fresh off who of, has uh, had so many comebacks, he feels it necessary to create the need for another one. Yeah, that was seriously. a review I, I read for one of his <laughs> movies at the time. I mean, the only downside to Get Shorty is it did make uh, that weird space movie he did possible. The one with Battlefield, the, or, yeah, or, yeah. It, it gave him enough cachet to get his pr- passion project done, and nobody cared. So, oh, Get Shorty is is solid, and and he's really, you know, he's really solid in it. He's he's playing to type, so he's, you know, he's well cast in this thing. Yeah, but my God, what a cast! Gene Hackman is in Get Shorty. Rene Russo, Danny, Danny DeVito. DeVito, Dwayne um, the Rock Johnson is hilarious in that. No, that's the, the that's the sequel. audition piece. Oh no, is you're it? Talking no, about, you're talking confused. about Be Cool. Be Cool is okay. The... Yeah, I seen the trailer for Be Cool, but yeah. but yeah, the okay. Rock is not in Get Shorty. Never no, mind. This then. is this is Tony the one with uh, Yeah, this is the one with James Gandolfini and Delroy Lindo yep. and, and Dennis Farina. Yeah, and don't forget Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite is the other uh, like psycho gangster. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Uh, but Farina to me steals this movie. I mean, he's just yeah, Ray, this Ray is Bones, peak Dennis Farina playing all of the mob roles, <laughs> yeah. right? Like for whatever reason, you know, he he had a moment, and this was part of the Farina moment. Because mm-hmm. um, when he awesome. was funny watching it, having been watching Pushing Davies, Daisies, because the first couple episodes of that were directed by Sonnenfeld, and yeah. so I'm like, apparently, I'm just doing a Sonnenfeld kick for no uh, intentional not. reason. You can't not. It's fun. Well, I think what's <laughs> The strongest thing about this, though, is that it's based on an Elmore Leonard book, and that is just strong source material 95% of the time. Because uh, that was also after Pulp Fiction and all that nonsense, and then Jackie Brown, I think, either had come out or was about to, so a lot of Elmore Leonard shit was happening back in that mid-late 90s era as well. So it was sort of a nice thing to look, because the book is just as funny Uh so it just it's a nice adaptation. It's very strong. Super funny. I, do, I didn't expect I would laugh at it still when I watched it a few weeks ago, but I did. So good. Yeah, no, it definitely holds up. I, I was quite entertained. So if you've got I think I watched it on HBO. Uh if you've got HBO Max, check out Get Shorty. It's a mid nineties little gem yeah. sitting there. I would also you. recommend if you can I think it's on Stars or Showtime or I don't know. I had some free trial. So I watched uh, well, no, it was the first season of the show Get Shorty with, uh, what's his oh, face right. from the IT crowd. Yeah, that would uh, be on Epics. Yeah. That's actually very fun, too. It's a different take on the material, but it's the same flavor, and it's equally cringe-inducing, but also funny and tragic. Uh, so, again, I would recommend how, that one, too. How does, how does Chris O'Dowd play tough? He's actually a very imposing fellow when he- really. Does it? Yeah, he's a he's a good actor. It's weird because you look I just at him. Still as think like, of him as the guy with the poo on his forehead. Yeah, you look at him in that. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this guy's a fucking buffoon. But yeah, he can play menacing pretty good. It's kind of creepy. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, he's a and and in the show Get Shorty, he plays a real bruiser enforcer type that's not afraid to just beat the shit out of somebody. So yeah, it's interesting to see. So yeah. All right, and then my other thing for the fresh shit this week. Uh, was, was an accident, actually. <laughs> so, I, I had not been paying attention to the fact that back during Star Trek Picard, I had subscribed to CBS All Access and I never canceled <laughs> oh, the thing. Oh, <laughs> Wait, CBS oh. All Access is gone now. It's Paramount+. That's Plus. right. That's yeah. like so a suddenly, year? You've had it for a year. <laughs> I guess I have for like five bucks a month and yeah. I hadn't noticed. You know, you could have just given me five bucks a month and I'd have given you some content. I, I could have lit five bucks a month on fire <laughs> yeah, and gotten you basically more entertainment did. value. You basically did. But um, I, so I get this email. It's like, hey, you got Paramount Plus. And I'm like, well, shit, I've already paid for it. Let's fire up Paramount Plus. Ugh. Uh, Don't. Yeah. We're now entering uh, Paramount that- Plus Ugh. is... Wow, is is it not at all <laughs> it's, what it, I think I yeah. mean there's just nothing nothing to recommend it at yeah. all. Well that's like, the thing. it doesn't even have the concept of 
like add this to a list so I can watch it for later while I'm browsing. Like that's not there. Wow. Um, it does not even have all the Star Trek movies. It has well, like this- three Star Trek movies. Most of which are next generation ca- films. Well, like that's it has the thing is, is you've got Paramount, this big studio with this library. You'd think it'd be just a no brainer to have their own streaming platform, but you got to realize that most of their shit is probably already licensed out to every other streaming platform right now. It really is. Like they've got nothing. Yeah, they have goddamn nothing. Like oh, I'm like okay, fine. You know, sometimes we would watch RuPaul's Drag Race because brain garbage. So that's got to be there because they've got the it's the Viacom streaming network, really, right? Yeah. So there's RuPaul's Drag Race. They've got like one season of Drew, or they've got like not the season that's showing. If I, if I, I'm like, oh, they've got behind the music. Behind the music has been hard to find. They have two episodes of behind the music. <laughs> yeah, nice. What the goddamn fuck, Paramount Viacom? Well, get your shit together because I, I am not paying you another five bucks. I think the best tweet I read related to something like this, and I'm paraphrasing, but the general gist was, I'm, I'm so thankful that we now live in an age where we can have five million streaming platforms that all show a bunch of nonsense that we have to pay for because it's the only place you can get it so yeah hey later on garbage later on give me your 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 password to that so that i can watch the the third season of uh discovery because i'm not going to pay to see that oh yeah and and while you're at it let me let me have it so i can piggyback so i can actually watch the stand Oh jeez, yeah, I'm sure that's a violation of the T's and C's. So <laughs> you mean we're the T's and C's of the thing that, you signed right? over a year ago? Fuck <laughs> yeah, that you don't remember. To a different entity. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, Do not subscribe to Paramount Plus. That's my PSA for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Next. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just funny, Brian. Wow. I'm wondering yeah. how many streaming services I belong to that I have no idea now. I have to go back and look at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it, crazy. It's a good idea usually to look at your credit card statements, you know? I'm like, oh, what? Well. what? What? Whatever. What's... Whatever. Uh, well, I'll go because I don't have very much because it's just been a uh, rando week for me. Uh, okay. But I did find on HBO Plus, someone had the good sense to start showing the Steve Coogan show, I'm Alan Partridge, the BBC show from the late 90s, his signature character, and it is still one of the funniest things I have ever seen in my entire life. The show is just... I'm not familiar. Tell me about it. (laughs) Fired up. He basically is this... uh, It's a a follow-up series to one he did called uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge, where he is this really self-involved buffoon uh, Please tell me they use the ABBA song for a theme on that. Ah, uh, I probably. It's okay. I mean it's they, it's some gist on the ABBA thing, but his anyway. But he's just inept. He's self-absorbed. He gets flustered easy. He's just not a, a nice person, and he's just inept. And so the talk show, knowing me, knowing you with Alan Partridge, just uh, over the course of like five or six episodes, just devolves into just anarchy and chaos, and he's got no control, and. He gets canned, and this is the follow-up where he's now a DJ in Norwich, in northern England, (laughs) uh, living in a travel tavern because his wife has left him, and he's still in a- What's a travel tavern? uh, It's just just like a, a hotel. With, it's like uh, a B&B. It sounds like a uh, Winnebago yeah. with a bar in it. But yeah, anyway. it's it's basically like a like a, a week stay, custom suites okay. thing, whatever. Okay. Yeah, uh, and he's still insufferable, and he is he makes everybody uncomfortable because he's such a jackass, and everybody uh, hates him, but it has to be polite to him to his face. But he's still an ass, and it's just it's co-written by Armando Iannucci, the guy that went on to do Veep and. Uh, in the thick of it and death, oh, okay. of, death of Joseph Stalin and all that stuff. So it's like like just apex predator, uncomfortable humor stuff. <laughs> and it's just the funniest fucking show I've, I've ever seen to this day. And my wife and I started watching it because we hadn't seen it in about 15 years or so. And literally laughing every, every other line, every other action. <laughs> it's just so uncomfortable. It is so well done. I, I, I think the Ianucci connection, though, makes sense now. Yeah. Because I could, yeah, it, it, it's got that same squirm factor that you still can't take your eyes off of. Yeah. It's just hilarious. And they're only like six episodes a series, and it's only two series. 
Uh, and it's I'm waiting for the second series to start because that's the one where he's actually living in like a mobile home while while he's having a house built. <laughs> and they does and it he have ha- a bar in it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, they do like this whole thing. It's one of the f- uh, the best bits in the entire run where he's brought them all over to watch because he's he's a huge Roger Moore fan as Bond, and so they're going to watch Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, but they keep As interrupting. They yeah, they keep interrupting and then something fucks up on the tape. And so he ends up having to reenact the entire opening action sequence. <laughs> 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 and it is just, it's, it's, uh, it's sublime. It is funnier than anything I've seen him do uh, before or since. Uh, but when you watch, if you've seen stuff like uh, The Trip that he does uh, with his buddy, uh, what's his name? I can't remember right now, but where they, they tried or whatever. No, no, it's uh, yeah. Rob, Rob something. Oh, I fucking can't remember his name. Where they oh, just yeah. travel along and play versions of themselves as assholes, uh, just bantering through the whole thing. I swear you brought that to the fresh shit at one point. Oh, a couple years ago, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. So that's really what it is, uh, but just so, <laughs> so much. Rob Bryden. <laughs> Rob Bryden, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's just him. Uh, being a total clueless dickhead to everybody because he's so entitled uh, and it's just amazing to behold because he doesn't deserve any of that entitlement <laughs> whatsoever because he's just an asshole. But somehow they paint him sympathetically and it works. So highly I recommend. Think the, the, the gag was always he's sort of profe- a professional TV person with that fake professional TV-ness. Yes. And it's like if you actually had to talk to a guy who was, be- who was professionally television yeah, this is what it would be. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that they just make him so socially awkward with everybody is just insane. Because it's literally every episode is just hinges on him being just like very awkward and uncomfortable around humans. It's just incredible. <laughs> but like the second or third episode of the series, he makes some very off-color comments about local farmers, and then the farmers like go after him. Uh, and then at one point he's trying to film like a, like a boating video as an announcer. And at some point they like dump a dead cow on him from the a bridge as the boat flows under. I mean, it's just like, it's just, everything goes to 11 in this thing. It's so funny. So yeah, I would highly recommend if you haven't watched it, Brian, it's, it's, it's worth your All dollar, right. worth your dollar. Uh, yet so, another thing that gets mentioned on the show that I might watch. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, but yeah, you know you're than, running out of stuff. Yeah, really. Yeah, with my 400 streaming services <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you don't know about. Uh, <laughs> but the only other thing I just randomly just watched on a whim, uh, I, I went back and rewatched This is Spinal Tap, as you do every year or so. Uh, and I realized okay. that we missed the perfect opportunity last week on our bands that swap genres show because <laughs> nobody oh, brought up Spinal Tap. And I, was, I was kicking myself after that because to go from the listen to the flower people. It's getting louder every day. To uh, hell hole, yeah. <laughs> It's just amazing. I know it's a fake band and all, but they know. Well, I mean, they're a fake band, but they're also a band, so it's fair. It's a fair game. I'll take it. uh, But it still packs a wallop. It's still funny, uh, even though it's got many imitators now. And uh, that's also on HBO. So. That's my, my right picks on. this week. So, go. Okay. Well, mine this week is, uh, it's a YouTube pull, so you can just jump on YouTube to watch this. Um, <laughs> I love this show. Um, Doomsday, 10 Ways the World Will End. <laughs> what if an asteroid as massive as the one that killed the dinosaurs 66 million years ago struck in the same place today how very eric and it's 10 episodes <laughs> yeah. that's 
display like what would happen if like what will happen when the oceans rise what would happen oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. if a killer asteroid hit us and it's like all these scenarios that are absolutely probable right well except for the alien invasion one that do they do like, the oh, one where on. the where the polar caps switch places no Is that one in there okay no that's not a thing okay yeah. Never mind. Uh, that's yeah. That's the the film 2012, which is a brilliant film. But that's that's yeah. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I still say you use the term brilliant very loosely in that description of 2020, 2012. Yeah. Well, I, it, it maybe it's got bright lights. Yeah. It's um. it's it's a nonstop <laughs> thrill ride. What are you guys talking about? It's like, <laughs> do you know how many people? Okay, okay. Think right now. Okay, of of the people alive on Earth right now, the number of people who have cut you off in traffic, uh, uh, taken a parking spot from you, or let you stay signed up for a streaming service for a year, all of them die. <laughs> it's all of them die. It's a great film. And okay. it just doesn't stop being great. The more I watch it, the harder my penis gets. It is just the best. Okay. But anyway, this is that is, this not is a more of a now, history okay. channel kind of show that, that like goes through all the different scenarios. Like uh, 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 if a gamma ray from um, another star system exploding hit us, how how fucked we'd be it's loaded with how fucked we'd be you know i i just love it i love this show uh yeah you got to jump on history channel uh doomsday 10 ways the world will end i i, I can't recommend it enough i really do you, can't do you think a show like that would work as a good uh like backup to like doomsday preppers do you think it's like a good like precursor sort of thing I, I mean, think it sounds like the preppers okay. are screwed when the gamma rays come. <laughs> yeah, All man. of these basically say, you know, some some people have gone into shelters. Won't do them a goddamn lick of good. It's like each one of these is, it doesn't matter if you're in a shelter or not, really, because the food chain's going to break down. Uh, and at one, I can't remember which scenario it was, but one of them, the guy says, okay, some people will survive, but the human race will go into an evolutionary bottleneck because there won't be enough people. And it doesn't matter that they survive. Basically the human race has a generation or two and then. <laughs> <laughs> Did they do uh, a global pandemic by any chance? Uh, I don't think they did. I'm trying to think uh, of all 10, but it's like, that's, a, that's an indication we're going to survive this thing then. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a pandemic, right. a 100% pandemic is, no, no disease wants to completely destroy its host, you know, um, except vampires. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a it's a it's a cool ass show. I got to say. OK. OK. All right. Because when that you said is that the fresh shit. Well, when you said doomsday, I, I almost thought you were going to start talking about that, uh, like Escape from New York ripoff in the UK with uh, Malcolm McDowell. And then, the, uh, like, like the twenty-eight days later, meets Escape from New York. <laughs> no, yeah, everything we bring to the fresh shit's like Chris is like, what about this other thing? Yeah. Well, it's called it's called Doomsday, <laughs> and it's from the guy that made the recent Hellboy fiasco. Yeah. Uh, oh, of terrible. course, I know exactly what you're talking about. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you need to go find this movie called Doomsday. Watch it. Tell tell me what you think. It's terrible. But twenty-five years after the outbreak, it's the virus. It's back. Containment has failed. What the hell are we going to do? I, how many movies do you think are called Doomsday? <laughs> Just yeah. out of curiosity. I actually I mean, was thinking three. of the bad guy from those uh, DC comics Right, movies. that's where I thought he was about to go. But oh, nope, no, no, nope. no. No, this one's like, uh, if you took 28 Days Later and married it to Escape from New York, uh, uh, you would get that. Yeah. Starring the man who, who embodies quality, Malcolm, <laughs> Malcolm McDowell. McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do so anything for money. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. Carry, carry on. They <laughs> say the fresh shit is the fire in which we burn. Okay. Uh, All enough. Right. Okay. So this week I wanted to talk about movies that we like that are problematic. Um, uh, did, did that make sense? I guess is the first I, question. I guess I I think so. Yeah, uh, it's it's sort of an extension of of the topic we did a few weeks ago. I guess. Which the, topic? Oh, I forget every topic we do once we do. Yeah, it. me too. 
Yeah. <laughs> er- Eric's hung up on the cancel culture thing, so we're here. <laughs> oh, right. right, right, right. You're talking about the... Oh, no, not necessarily that. Not necessarily, because, okay. like, one of the examples I had emailed was, like, let's say you're one of your favorite movies is revenge of the nerds, but it's rapey. That's yeah, not necessarily, right. you know, it could also be, uh, my favorite movie is, you know, 2012, but, but it's got like mass death. But know? now I have to think about Eric's penis if I watch it. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I think mind. about it all the time myself, just <laughs> as, a, as a matter of course, you know, that's sweet. That, you get over the hump. So here's my, here's mine. Then I'll do mine. And then you, you guys, I guess, Seeing as how this is one of those no homework required shows, can just yay, mm-hmm. yeah. Especially after that last edit, jeez, give me a, give me an easy show to edit. Yeah, Go. the one that you picked. Okay, <laughs> I Good. know that's on okay. me. Okay. I did it. All right, okay. Uh, so mine is uh, okay. I love this film because it is kick ass and it's got action, it's got death, it's got destruction. It's really cool. It's a war film. War films are just cool. And uh, it does. It, it, it's very pro-war, uh, and it's Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Saving Private Ryan gets <laughs> gets this this this. Uh, uh, I don't know. It gets it, it, a lot of people give it a lot of slack because of the opening five ten minutes, and say, "Ooh, the the horrors of war." Yeah, okay. He gets that right in the beginning, apparently, because I haven't been in a war. But people who've been in war will tell you it's like that opening. Uh, beach landing in Saving Private Ryan. People Except are screaming for, for their moms. It. There's blood everywhere. There, people aren't dying instantly. They're going, oh, you know. But yeah. the thing is, once they get to the German bunkers, it's bloodless, it's quick, it's fun, it's explosions, it's shooting Nazis. It's like... <laughs> it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a video game, really. Yeah. And, and the thing is, they... As I say, it's got a very, oh, this is a realistic, you know, very gritty view of the war. No, 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 no. It's not. It's a Spielberg version of World War II. Medal of Honor, the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In truth, I have never seen Saving Private Ryan. Oh, good lord, Brian. Watch it. Totally see it. It's a fun time. I'm not kidding. I like this movie. But at the same uh, time, it's got a problem. And the problem is, it's. It's trying to make you think, oh, war is hell. But really, it's war's kind of cool. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Especially when it's bloodless. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> he's only talking about that one portion of that sequence. There's still some pretty gruesome shit that happens. There's, but what, there's, what, well, there's, there's some gruesome shit and there's some blood. Definitely, there's a lot of blood. But it's used very um, manipulatively. Yeah. There is a sequence where a soldier in this uh, squad dies. And it becomes the impetus for killing this the German soldier who did it, like mm-hmm. with a firing squad. They argue the the newbie is basically like, we can't do this. It's wrong. I won't go into the whole thing, Brian, because I want you to see it. <clears throat> okay. But they the end of that little micro story basically says, hey, war is shitty, and uh, you know what you're gonna do. You know you you can't have a moral compass in a war. But, but, but the point of the fucking movie is this guy's four brothers died and now they're sending out a squad to get him to bring him home so his mom doesn't lose all five sons in the middle of World War Two. This is horseshit. (laughs) This would never happen. And there's a character in the film who keeps saying, why are we doing this again? I mean, I've got a mother. She doesn't want me dead. You've got a mother. She doesn't want you dead. Why are we going to get this one guy? And they never answered the question. Never. So it's like, why the fuck are you doing this? This is stupid. But it's really cool to watch because there's lots of half tracks and machine guns and Nazis getting blown up. First of all, it falls under... Go ahead. Uh, so you're saying it's problematic in that it is trying to have it both ways in terms yes. of being pro-war and anti-war, yeah. and also the main the main MacGuffin, the main plot line is never justified. It's basically all of the like Steven Spielberg has this whole s- sort of side oeuvre of serious historical epics, and in each of them. He puts all of his effort into the detail to make it look right, and mm-hmm. none of the thought as a producer into the why. You know, it's like yeah. the moral justifications for things are so incredibly spotty, and that's why they fall apart. 
I mean, I could do a whole separate <laughs> thing on Schindler's List or Munich or Amistad. He or does em- this all the time. Empire of the Sun. Yeah. That's a little less because that at least is the, the idea is about a kid. It's not about, you know, an epic view of history. It's not, it's not basically yeah. his, I'm a grown up and I want to do a, a history lesson for my kid. Yeah. Well, in this one, Brian, the basic through line, like he said, is they, they have to question the judgment call behind sending uh, a squad to go rescue one guy so that one family doesn't mm-hmm. lose all of their kids. Right. Yeah. After they do this elaborate, very detailed Normandy invasion opening where there are literally hundreds of bodies just being blown to shit for 15 minutes solid. I mean, it's yeah. just like this weird thing. And then they have to mess with the moral conundrum of war. But where, where Saving Private Ryan loses me is that it's like every anti-war movie, or at least 99% of them, is that it at some point ends up uh, sort of randomly glorifying war after it tries to critique it, because you can't really show the true horror of it all without actually right. showing it. And then it becomes this weird psychology where, well, then suddenly it becomes exciting and fun almost. Yeah. And then you're like, well, you, you've just lost your point because now there's, all of a sudden it's an adventure. There's a, a film I, I brought to a, the Fresh It a couple months ago, a Russian World War II film from the 80s called Come and See that is probably... It, it 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 truly captures, I think, that that terror that it's 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 almost mind numbing in just how fucking gross it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, and it's still manipulative. That's the thing. All film is manipulative. Otherwise, you've just got like a stock camera just aiming at you know. Well, it was just a, a documentary. That's all it is. Yeah. Even a documentary is edited. I mean, it's like you have to do stuff with it. And I get that, but Saving Private Ryan, it's okay. It sets up to make sure you know that the D-Day landing was a clusterfuck and you get that. And once you get that, then they can move on to the, you know, the cool stuff, as I say, (laughs) that all World War II movies have. We will be fighting World War II in film for the next 200 years (laughs) and, uh, if we if we believe Kurt Vonnegut, it's because they designed such badass uniforms. Yeah, I I thought it was just because we had the best propaganda for World War II. Like you'd well, think you think we'd know. still be seeing Vietnam movies, given how many of those we were getting for a while there, but not so much uh, anymore. I think we worked through that trauma. I'm but surprised I, we haven't seen more Iraq and Afghanistan movies. Frankly, that's a tough. Well, we're that. still there. Yeah, we're still sort there. Of a yeah. sore spot. Yeah, all the yeah. ones they make It'll right happen. now are basically how our soldiers get wiped the fuck out, and yeah. you know maybe we shouldn't be here. And PTSD and <laughs> la la la. Yeah, well, it's when, hard actually to make a, a an Afghanistan protest film because in a way. The 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 real Afghan protest film should be if you really have a problem with this, how come you haven't said anything for twenty goddamn 20 years? years. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you brought up Saving Private Ryan as a problematic, I th- the first thing I thought uh, was you were going to talk about the incessant line of monologuing that happens in this goddamn movie. Uh, that is just structurally, it's like they could have cut out at least 45 minutes of monologues and the movie would have been fine. Cause you get yeah. like all of the, each character gets their moment in the sun. And then when you get to Matt Damon at the end talking about bullshit, it's like, come on, man, I'm just fucking tired. I just want this to end. I always think that scene is funny because he has his monologue and Tom Hanks is just sort of looking at him like, yeah, everybody's got a monologue. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so it's in I the don't contract. think yeah. I don't think Barry Pepper does. I don't think Barry Pepper has a monologue. But then again, but, but he's got that know. one line of dialogue that he keeps repeating because he's the sharpshooter, where he kisses the cross and says he's an instrument of God and whatever. But that that's line not is. a monologue. That's yeah, but just, it's to him. To him, that's his monologue because he's just a killing machine. But that's character. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, I. <laughs> but, there are a couple of things. By the way, these are side things that bug me about this film. If you fall into the water like that like you know when in the beginning they're jumping off the boats to keep from mm-hmm. getting killed and i i instantly was like okay that you just fucked me on this they when they're under the water 
all the German rounds are going through the water and killing people. That does not happen. Water will stop a bullet inside of a foot. It's yeah, but it looks cool. Um, that, looks when cool. when Barry Pepper shoots the sniper and the bullet goes through the sniper's sight and blows his, his head off. Yeah. Okay, that he's like what he says he's something like two hundred yards away. A bullet arcs. At that distance, there is no way a bullet is going to go through the eyepiece and then through the guy's head. <laughs> this thing is full of things. Now, and I'm not like nitpicking. I'm saying this thing is full of cool looking shit. Yeah. Steven Spielberg was very conscious to make sure that his uh, uh, grown up war film had lots of cool ass shit in it. <laughs> well, and, and here's how cool I- ass shit that makes it not a serious war film. Well, this is how I defend that just as a matter of structure is that the most annoying thing to me about this movie from the get-go is that they open it with the old man in the cemetery at Normandy with his family uh, getting teary because he's looking at all the dead soldiers, and, he, and then he starts to recollect, and then the whole thing is basically just a flashback. And so mm-hmm. that's why I think you can get away with some of those tweaks and details, because it's just this old man remembering his traumatic war experience. Uh, yeah, not of. really. It's really not. And that's okay. That's don't don't talk about that yet. I will. I'll I'll bring that up next week after Brian watches this film. You must watch this this week, okay? Because that is that's a a a fake out that Steven Spielberg does that also really bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to get to. But okay, I get you. Okay, saying. but yeah. that's that's my that's my pick. Like I said, I, I've named all the things that really annoy me about it. But at the same time. If it's on, I'll fucking watch it because oh, yeah. it's fun. It's cool. Like it's on every fucking Memorial Day. So yeah, you're you're able Great to cast. see it somewhere. The, yeah, the cast is amazing. I mean, ev- even though Vin Diesel is in it. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> cast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that ultimately the the best salute that I can give it is that it prompts one of the best uh porn parody titles ever. Saving Sha- Ryan's Privates. Shaving Ryan's Privates. Uh, oh, shaving. So, yeah. So I salute it for that. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Sizemore. You know, this, I think this was probably the breakout for Tom Sizemore. Uh, and Edward Burns, who I don't like his films, and I don't think I've liked him in much of anything. But in this, he is so the voice of reason that yeah. I just... yeah. And he's he's supposed to be the asshole. Yeah. But he's such the voice of reason that I'm just like, no, no, him. He's my favorite. He yeah. is so great in this film. Well, I mean, and then you got like uh, Jeremy Davies, uh, who was in Spanking the Monkey, and he's sort of the like yeah. the moral moral heart of the group. Yeah, uh, and then Giovanni Ribisi, who's the medic, uh, pacifist. So you get that perspective. He uh, has he and he 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 does probably the most acting in yeah. this when with that. Uh, um, I don't want to say anything. God damn it, Brian. Yeah. How can you do this? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So uh, watch it, Brian. Come back to us. We'll, okay. we'll discuss. Okay. All right. Put a pin in that grenade. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. All right. Uh, I guess I can go. Um, okay. I, can I cheat and get an honorable mention in here? I don't know. Sh- sure. Why not? <laughs> um, Fuck it. There's no rules. Yeah. Okay. It's not my pick. But I have to give an honorable mention to the relationship between Han Solo and Princess Leia in The Empire Strikes Back. Because this is by far the biggest, most influential, like, hey guys, her mouth says no, but her eyes say yes, she just needs a good kiss, push through the no to get (laughs) your action thing for like two generations of men. In an otherwise well, awesome well, movie, but yeah. man, that's that's a that's Is a problem. It? But you I don't know. know. Yeah, I I don't know either. I mean, it's he, not like they're working together in an office. I mean, they yeah. they've spent months together. I think he's been getting vibes. That's no, what I always read. Wa- it as. Wa- watch <laughs> them in the scene where the, where he's just muscling in on her space, and she's very clear with her no and pushes him away, and he just keeps going. Yeah, it's, I, it's like I anti-consent. Guess. But here's the deal: is once you watch Empire Strikes Back and you get all of the spoilers, then when you watch it again, you notice that she's kissing her brother with tongue. Yeah. Early on, and mm, that really and that negates takes you right on out of it too, doesn't yeah, it? And that really negates any uncomfortableness I feel about Han Solo macking on her, honestly. So anyway, yeah. like I said, it was my honorable mention. <laughs> okay, a movie that that is hilarious from end to end. 
despite some of the things that many of the people in the cast and in many of the movies that that people in the cast went on to make later yeah. uh we should talk about other people in the cast of the naked gun and what they did later because Ooh. the naked gun is a hilarious movie in which you have to endure throughout the entire movie the comic antics of O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so it's not even the movie itself, it's just the periphery. Well, like, what happened later. It just takes you right the hell out of it, yeah, right? I like, got you, I got you. Uh, on the one hand, you can... Okay, so the, thing, the nice thing about his character Nordberg is that the way he's played in The Naked Gun, he's just getting the shit beat out of him in every scene. Like, Nordberg is abused hard. So you can kind of play it that way, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, let's watch O.J. It's it's also out of him. It's yeah. probably important to note at the time O.J. Simpson was kind of the America's sweetheart, nice guy. Yes. Everybody yeah. loved O.J. He was like yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was definitely like six years before he murdered his wife. Uh, so yeah, and, and drove off in that Bronco. Well, yeah. I will note that what's even more uncomfortable though is if you watch it and you notice that they're just doing a whole bit where Nordberg's always getting the shit beat out of him. He's the mm-hmm. only black guy in the entire cast. Right. And why, are, and why are they doing it to the black guy? I mean, that's more uncomfortable to me than the fact that OJ <laughs> went on to murder his wife. But it is, but it is, it is quite the distraction, right? Like, it's otherwise, a genius Zucker movie, one of their best, just <laughs> yeah. incredible amounts of verbal and sight gags coming at you rapid fire the whole time. And OJ Simpson. I think I would have, I would love to go back in time and live in the same town as Eric when the Bronco thing happened so that I could hear him go, oh, that's going to make Naked Gun hard to watch now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's sure an that Eric moment. His reaction. Yeah, I envision that <laughs> along think, with his naked penis. I think penis. Eric saw that and said, shit, now Broncos have a bad name. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm driving one. Yeah. I slept through that. I like, I had, I think, I'm not sure if it was like finals or midterms or something. I like, I had been like, full bore studying and then just passed out and slept for like 12 hours. And when I woke up, I was told that OJ Simpson was in a car chase on LA and it was live on TV. (laughs) And I said, why? Yeah. It's (laughs) it's not as you mean the world watched a car on a freeway. It's, it's not as good as the slowly. Yeah. It's not as good as the time that princess Deanna died. And then you, and like a couple hours after we'd all been watching the news, you came into the our house and you're like, holy shit, she died. And we were all like, oh, the crown totally had her killed. And we're like, yes, <laughs> we were all just in agreement that that's what happened. <laughs> like just, yeah, yeah. From, from the jump. Take, take we were note, Megan Markle. Yeah. But, but it's like Eric just storms in like Kramer and Seinfeld. And the first thing he's like, oh, the queen totally had her killed. And we're like, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, getting back to Naked Gun. Uh, I, mean, I don't know what what else there is to say about it. it. You know, they 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 took what was great about Police Squad, which you know, because it was a TV show, was lampooning the style of TV shows, and yeah. and taking that and translating it into movie format. You know, could have gone very poorly but they really they they straddled the line well they but but it was just it was the peak of zucker abraham zucker just coming up with gag after gag after gag and if you didn't laugh at one there was another one coming right behind it yeah well i mean it's their i mean we did that whole early show like four years ago on zucker abraham zucker uh, and i don't i don't really know if i have anything to add about it (laughs) well yeah i just i I haven't seen it in a while. All I will tell you is that uh, more problematic are the sequels, which are just this slow decline and not yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, it uh, just gets worse. It's just hard to watch. And then that leads into uh, Leslie Nielsen doing those other slapsticky Ugh. bad movies like Mr. Magoo or whatever. And it's just like, dude, just just stop. Just please, just for the love of yeah. God, stop. Because yeah, <laughs> the whole reason Leslie Nielsen was funny in Police Squad is that he had been in so many straight roles before that where he was yeah. basically the same character but in a serious script and so having and really that was Airplane right was where where we got the first yeah. of, of him lampooning that but uh but yeah by the time we got to Naked Gun two and a half it was it was pretty tired already yeah and he's literally I mean, doing Three Stooges you know 
eye poke the gags face. With, he has this yeah. Leslie Nielsen face that's like, what? And I, I, I don't know who instructed him to do that, but they ruined him with what? That that mm-hmm. that 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 look. It's like, no, 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 no. You're a serious mm-hmm. actor. You got to play a serious part. What? Maybe the maybe the problem is. They asked him to do that because they knew what they wrote wasn't funny, and they needed him to telegraph, this is supposed to be the funny part. Well, yeah, and, and he also has the bug-eyed, oopsie, I fucked up, I hope nobody notices face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to me, we're, we're, you can already tell that the movie's not aged well. When you watch it now, and that opening scene is like him beating up that weird Beirut axis of evil or whatever... And wasn't so that it's two and a half, or was, was that it the first one? I, I think might, that was two. I think it was okay. two and a half. Okay, yeah, maybe I'm just conflating them. The first film was the TV show. Gags. Okay, we already know. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. conflating them, and you're right. But oh, good lord, that's that's more problematic than than anything that OJ could do. <laughs> they could bring that. Oh, OJ was also in the John second Hamm. one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh OJ. So yeah. So basically, you watch Naked Gun now, and you're like, you can't get over. OJ. It's it's distracting. It's okay. really distracting. <laughs> if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. I mean, it's, you you just spiral off into just everything related to that whole deal. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah. So that's the hey. movie I brought. All right. So do you think that would uh, wasn't he in, in what else was OJ in that it would uh, would ruin your experience? Like uh, Capricorn One. I watched that recently, and it's the same thing. It's like, oh, dude, you murdered your wife terribly. I, think, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, but Capricorn One kind of ruins Capricorn One. It's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, like, like the the sort Capricorn of comic wacky guy the on the trial. side who's supposed to be having the funny <laughs> lines in that film. Oh, Elliot Gould, Sam Waterston. Oh, He's not right. The side funny happy guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, and then Brolin, James Brolin, is just like. What are you doing in this? It's like if you watch his stuff from the era too, Brian. If you want more problematic stuff, watch an early, like a seventies James Brolin movie, like Beyond Capricorn One. I think there's one on Netflix called "Is It the Car?" Eric, is he in that one? Yeah, yeah, that's terrible. Oh, oh no, that one's funny. I oh, love God. that one. It's so awful, but okay. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. The car is like I remember. Well, I've I've brought this the car up multiple times. When I was a kid, I was. Uh, I'd see the commercials for it, and I was terrified of this movie. And then I saw it, and I was like, "Oh no, it's just yeah. it's just Why? a badass <laughs> car that kills people." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, Chris, what'd you bring? Uh, I also have an honorable mention because I had two that I immediately thought of when Eric pitched this little concept. Uh, my first one, which I'm not going to talk about, but I just want to do an honorable mention because I I still don't want to savage it because it's near and dear to me and it's one of my uh sort of germinal movies for my adolescence but animal house uh as much Mm -hmm. as it gets right and is hilarious still there is so much that's just not watchable now almost it's very like the underage rape the underage rape all of the racial stuff they do it's like whoa but i don't want to talk about that but it's definitely (laughs) up there uh so Pick instead i movie from the early 80s it's problematic yes. yeah yeah okay ah terrible uh but that's the national lampoon sort of vibe honestly sure. so uh but just a shout out to animal house uh but the one i want to talk about and i'm i really just punching low on this one picking some low-hanging fruit uh because it's an adored teen classic from the 80s uh that john hughes made iconic I think but, this might have been one yeah, I considered. <laughs> yeah, but f- let's be honest, it's no shocker to say that Ferris Bueller is a fucking sociopath, right? Oh, was, no. Wasn't the I one was, I was expecting. Yeah. I was expecting 16 Candles. Of course. Oh, no. no 16 well, Candles it, is all kinds of wrong. Any John Hughes movie, if you watch them now, you're like, holy shit, how did that get in there? That's just, right. dude, you're, dude. And, well, he came up in National Lampoon as well, so... Sure. No. Okay, but break break it down. Ferris Bueller. Okay, go. Uh, he's a he's just a sociopath, man. It's like when you watch it as a kid, <laughs> it's total wish fulfillment. You're just right. you know, you're like this is amazing. But then as you're an adult, it's like, "Whoa, pump the brakes. Let's back this up a little bit." Ed and Rooney is now the hero of your movie. <laughs> well, not even not even that. It's just all the adults are fucking buffoons, which again, it's just right. teenage wish fulfillment. So, you know, there's that. 
But I went and I looked up uh, the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder just to get an idea. Uh, and, they, and this is on like uh, one, some health site, verywellmind.com or something. But they say five or more of the criteria need to be present for an official diagnosis. So let's roll them down. So number one, has a grandiose sense of self-importance, exaggerates achievements and abilities. Mm-hmm. So I think that fits. He's just basically rolling through life. Never uh, had one lesson. Never had one lesson. Yeah, and he's yeah. terrible. Uh, preoccupied with dreams of unlimited power, success, physical attractiveness, and love. Eh, maybe. Uh, he just wants to have a good time. Uh, holds I'm a belief. Sorry, I've seen this yeah. list, but in a political context, yeah. in the last four years. Just say. Oh go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. Uh, holds the belief that they are special or high status and can only be understood by similar people or should only associate with those people or institutions. I don't I th- know that Ferris Bueller fits that, does he? No. Ah, no. That one's kind of gray, but it's in the criteria. Okay. Uh, but this one definitely has a need for excessive admiration. I mean, he, he literally... He, he doesn't but need he, it. I think he does. I think he, he does. He attracts it, but he doesn't, that, that's why he doesn't need it. Uh, but here's where just- I will... D- I will disagree with you on that based on this uh, nugget from the film early on when he's doing the fake out sick uh, and just really overselling it and the parents still buy it. And then when they leave, he turns to the camera and says, I can't believe they bought it. Worst performance of my life. It's like he just, he just wanted that to, to, to sell, but not having to do much effort to it. That's that, but, but, but you're, you, what you described was a need for it, like attention. I I would have said, I would have said that, Calling and talking to the other kids in school and playing the puke samples might yeah. have been your example there. That works but, as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then let's see. Possesses a sense of entitlement and expects favorable treatment or compliance. Oh, definitely. Uh, yes. Definitely. <laughs> uh, exploits other people to achieve personal goals. Definitely. Sure. We got three uh, definite and one contested one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lacks empathy regarding the needs and feelings of other people. of the time in this movie, that's Ferris Bueller. The only time he ever shows empathy is at the end when he realizes that, oh shit, I pushed Cameron too far and he's fucked. And it's like that real millisecond, but he just, he makes, he he makes the, no empathy for the restauranteurs or the teachers or or anybody, his sister, or, or Sloan. Because he proposes to Sloan knowing full well that he's not going to marry her. And then later on has the bit in the model, the, the fourth wall breaking where he says next year, I'm going to have a hard time, you know, remembering her basically is what he says. It's like, Oof. that's a dick move, man. Dick. No, move. no, that's, that's, but that's, you know, I think that's really him describing reality. That is. Well, true. yeah. You yeah. know, it's, I, and I, I don't know, I guess I, I don't know. I, it, it's hard for me to go through all of this, but I, I, I guess I disagree just because I don't think that's fine. Bueller is. If, yeah. If, if I'm being totally honest, that one is sort of a gray one. Uh, All right, so we got because three because he two, does two contestants. What else you got? Uh, is envious of other people or thinks other people envy them? Uh, he's totally envious of anybody with a fucking car. So sure. you know, it's just get over it, dude. And he That's and he gets the of being a teenager. Yeah, but he he complains that he's got a computer, but he's in there hacking his attendance record. Uh, he's got that ten thousand dollar keyboard. Uh, with all of the sample capability. I mean, it's like 1986, and he's got like top-of-the-line studio equipment. It's like, yeah. man, just shut up, you entitled baby. Uh, and then lastly, his arrogant behaviors and attitudes. Uh, and I think that's definitely Ferris Bueller. So I think he ticks off at least five of those things. Yeah, he's in He's in there on like five, and there's a couple of additional ones he might... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he's, but he's also impulsive. He engages in deceitfulness. He can be irritable or aggressive, like when he's he slapping talks Cameron. Ass to his elders. Yeah, but when like Cameron doesn't do the the shenanigans the way he wants to, he's like kicking him and hitting him, and then Cameron tries to call him out on it, and then suddenly gets gaslit, and then everything's fine again. They're buddies. It's like this is just weird, man. He's just he'll manipulate anybody, and then you get the whole larger spin out where the whole town becomes concerned about his well being because they all think he's dying and needs a kidney transplant. It's just like all these weird threads and I don't blame it because apparently the final cut was like almost three hours long off a script really? that, yeah, the off a script that John Hughes wrote, uh, some say six days, some say a weekend. 
Uh, say, so the, the whole thing just comes together yeah. like a, a ser- like like one of those movies where they just kind of like let's go shoot something here. What can we do? Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of it was improvised, so a lot of that adds to the sort of the assembly cut that they have to pare down. But apparently, like there were two other siblings that he had that they totally cut out. Uh, Smart, you know, just just shit like that. Uh, yeah. But when you watch the movie, like the, you see him just pushing people to the edge, like Cameron. That's the obvious one, but the character of his sister, Jeannie, who's yeah. just so pissed off because he gets away with everything while she's basically stuck doing all of the drudgery day-to-day stuff. <laughs> and you could just feel the resentment from frame one on her. Oh, and his condescension toward his parents with the baby talk and the just, yeah. yeah. Oh. So it's just weird. It's just like when you watch, it's, it's like I explained to people when I, when I read Catcher in the Rye for the first time, I was like 17 or 18. And I thought, this is, the, this is it. This is the book. This is amazing. And then you read it again in your 30s, and then you start going, holy shit, Holden Caulfield is a fucking prick. And then you can explore <laughs> that aspect of it. It's kind of the same with Ferris Bueller. Now that I go back to it, it's like, oh, you start looking at it from the perspective of a grown-ass person going, oh, I would punch that kid if I had to. <laughs> I, really wouldn't, I really wouldn't even hesitate. Oh, so it's goofy. But I love the movie regardless, because it's just fun. They do all kinds of shenanigans. It's just total wish fulfillment. And it's to me, it's the most enjoyable John Hughes teen comedy, for sure. Yeah. Even above 16 Candles. It's, it's more enjoyable than 16 Candles. It is not more problematic than 16 Candles. <laughs> no, yeah. well, yeah. They, but I didn't want to go there, because then you got to get yeah. into the whole racial thing. And it's like, the, and the racial date thing rape. And the, and the rape D- thing. And yeah. yeah it's, it's not good. <laughs> so it's just John Hughes in general. Uh but he never talks down to his teenage characters, which I always applaud. But at the same time, it's just they're always imbued with these very dark crevices that really have no business being in a flighty teen comedy. Uh, but ugh, when I watch Ferris Bueller, it's like the OJ thing. I watch it. I'm just like, holy shit. He's gaslighting everybody. Just, just fucking stop. Somebody stand up to him. And they don't. And it's I just, guess I uh, always looked at Ferris Bueller as basically, uh, you know, kids, how you have absolutely no fucking power and how yeah. you, you basically live in a fascist dictatorship called exactly. you know, your parents' house. Yeah. This is what it would be like if you could somehow like own the situation. So in a way I go, yeah, he's a bit of a sociopath. Good for him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no. again, it's, it's wishful of it. I don't begrudge him that, but I think it's just weird. Uh, to see that kind of entitlement, white kid suburban entitlement, no less, uh, sort of just frolicking what? about. It's yeah. weird to see white kid suburban entitlement in 1986. Yeah, like I, <laughs> I look at this movie and I'm like, I wonder if Brett Kavanaugh loves this movie more than any other. I mean, it's just that kind of a deal. It's, it just seems like it sets the template for just deplorable behavior down the road for any sort of uh, fratty kind of guy. <laughs> it's just, I love that a- movie. I watched yeah. it with, with Squee, and we <laughs> drank <squee>. beer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's just, yeah. It's like of all of the John Hughes teen comedies, this one above all else just is the one that reeks of uh, white kid entitlement. It's just there. It's baked in. Like even more than like James Spader, 30-year-old man wearing suits in high school. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's well beyond pretty in pink. Uh, it's just crazy. But, but yeah, it's just, I can't watch it now with think, without thinking, oh, God damn it. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. You know? <laughs> so that's my problematic movie, but I still love it and I still watch it and I still laugh. So sue me. All right. Okay. <laughs> so that is our show. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, so if you know of films that you really like, but that have an issue in them, either politically or just. They were made shittily, perhaps. Uh, give us, give us a shout out at Mag Huge uh, on Twitter. Mag, we're magnificently huge on Facebook. We have a website, maghuge.com, and you can leave reviews on whatever you're listening to us on right now, be it iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, whatever. Um, is that everything? Or Instagram? I Are think we yeah. actually doing Instagram? Yeah, we put up pictures on Instagram because we're a podcast. Yeah, that's and, right. We kind of have to. Yeah, and pictures are good, even though they don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. You can't, but yeah, go over there too. It's fun. 
and uh, we want to hear like like topics you think we could talk about. I'm uh, I'm open to suggestions. We always are because every week we go, oh shit, what are we gonna do next week? We're yeah. about to have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, uh, we might have to go to we might have to go into the viewer mailbag and see what they got. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so so yeah, give us a shout out about what you want to hear, and we will talk over each other about it. Yeah, and just remember, life comes at you pretty fast. If you don't stop or look around once in a while, you might miss something. <laughs> You're still here. It's <laughs> over. Go, go home. home. Go home. Yeah. Okay. Mm, bow, bow, 